The most common cause of bad customer experience isn't that high tech. It's embarrassingly simple. Yup, it's answering questions. In e-commerce, it's really easy to get bogged down with common questions, whether that's where's my package, how do I return or exchange this item, or just to cancel a subscription. SolvePath is an AI-driven customer support system that enhances the customer experience with visual formats and self-serve technology to empower your customers to handle their own support requests. Get the best customer support system for your business. Get SolvePath. Get started by visiting GetSolvePath.com. You're now listening to Fintech Confidential, bringing you the people, tech, and companies that change how you pay and get paid. Be sure to subscribe to Fintech Confidential on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or your favorite podcast player by going to podcast.fintechconfidential.com and sign up for Fintech Confidential information at access.fintechconfidential.com. Welcome to the show. Hey, Patrick, I appreciate you hopping on the show. I'm so excited to discuss how your passion for fintech and payments is helping payment companies reduce churn, help software companies integrate critical payments functionality without all the crazy operational compliance and overhead. Now, one thing that I've realized through a lot of discussions with people in fintech is that, well, we don't really focus on becoming someone in fintech. We kind of just fall into it. I would love for you to share your falling into fintech journey and story. First of all, Ted, thanks for having me on the show. It's awesome to talk to you first thing in the morning. <laughs> My story in fintech goes back for over 20 years now. I've seen the evolution of fintech, especially in the payments world from the early, late nineties all the way to now. And uh, there's a real acceleration in the mid two thousands with PayPal, with Canada Square and other fintechs. And now, you know, in the late, call it uh, you know, 2000, 2020, we're seeing a boom in the fintech space. Um, so I'm super excited to be in this space. I think it's a, a point of, you know, uh, a real pivoting point in this space for, for payments. So I have to ask, what was your first introduction into fintech? And I, and you and I go back about the same amount of time. So it wasn't really called FinTech back then, but now looking back with that moniker, what was that first experience like with you? And what was it? Look, I'll tell you what I remember from those days is a little gray box. And for those that have been in the space as long as I have and you have, you know, I think you'll know what I'm talking about. It's the zone terminal, right? And it's this little gray box that sits on every single storefront on the counter. And it's been there for the last 15 years. So that was my first memory of, of payments. And that box has had a very long and fruitful life. Oh my gosh. I still remember burning a new ROM into those things. So yes. It's a little crazy that something like that um, was the entry into electronifying the entire payments ecosystem. It used to be right before that device. It, it was still a piece of paper 
that people had to take to the bank and drop off. And we've been spoiled right now. So we're getting money immediately in some cases, depending on the type of service that you're using. Sometimes it's the same day. Sometimes it's the next day. But when it's not next day, we think there's something wrong, which is so hilarious to me because it, we were lucky if we got it within seven days back when we were talking the Zon terminals, as you were mentioning. It's crazy. Yeah. And I think that what we've seen in the last 15 years compared to the previous 50 years is a, a complete shift in the payment technology side of things. That non-terminal was the anchor of payments for such a long time. And like you said before, that was just paper. And in the last 15 years, we've seen the evolution of payments going from um, that gray box to almost transparent payments. And I think that's where we're going with this, is that payments is going to become transparent. It will exist, but it will always exist and more and more so in the background. And so the user experience will be less focused on paying and people won't be looking at those gray boxes anymore. It will be just part of a commercial transaction. That's what payments is. It is. I would love to get, and I'm going on a little bit of a tangent here, but I'd love to get your perspective. Like yourself, I'm also an advisor in a handful of VC funds. I'd like to get your perspective on how you're seeing these investment groups look at fintech and payments differently today than even what they were doing one or two years ago. The buzzword that I hear a lot in the VC world and the investment world in general is frictionless payment or transparent payment. And people are looking to invest in companies that are providing a payment infrastructure that allows the consumer to go through a commercial experience without making a payment. I'll take the example of Amazon Go stores. You can walk into a store, you pick up your items, you walk out without making a payment. Obviously you've paid something or to someone, but it's completely transparent or even Uber. Every time you take an Uber, the big difference between taking an Uber and a taxi, again, from a payment experience, is that it's completely transparent. You call the car with your application, and once you've reached destination, you walk out. You're not fumbling for cash. You're not fumbling for your credit card, and you're not swiping those credit card machines stuck in traffic in, in the middle of Manhattan. You simply walk out of the car, and that is it. And that's what makes it beautiful. Transparent payments completely frictionless. Full disclosure, I've known Patrick for a number of years and I had a very early experience with this company Fisca. So I've been able to see them grow and change and expand. But for those Patrick who haven't been able to come along on that journey with you, Help us understand why you started Fisca and what problem that you saw that you felt like I've got to solve this problem. Help us understand that. Yeah, absolutely. So I spent the last, like I said, the last 25 years in payments. 
in fact, most of my bulk of my career was with one company, Uve. It's an ISO or pin processor based out of Montreal. And uh, I, I started with a company of one or five, six employees. And so we we're scrapping, selling merchant services, selling those payment terminals that everyone knows. And what we saw over in the early 2000s and early 2010s is a completely sh a complete shift in payments. Merchants were no longer looking for a simple payment solution that works, that sits on the counter, that's reliable. What they were looking for is, was a software solution that allows them to run everything through a centralized platform. And typically that would be their point of sale system. And so you think of a small business, the first thing that they do is they get to the, and, 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 and uh, you know, it, the, the software technology, SaaS technology has become a lot more accessible. So anyone will get a point of sale system. That's the first thing that they do. In the past, it used to be your merchant account. You would go to your bank, you would open your merchant account, and sometimes you would get a, a point of sale system, and sometimes you don't. And so what we're seeing is a complete evolution in the world of software as a service. And so that, that made the cost and the barrier to entry for small businesses to get point of sale systems a lot lower. And therefore that became the predominant top of mind solution that the small businesses have and no longer payment. And so we saw the convergence of those two worlds, the software world and the payment world. And unfortunately, the world that I am in, the payment world, becomes came secondary to small business, right? And so the only way that I think that we could continue to offer payment solutions and in a relevant fashion to, to the business, especially small businesses, is by integrating and partnering with those software companies. Unfortunately, it's the idea is great, but the execution is a whole different game. You're integrating software to payments is not an easy task. So you have technological hurdles, you have compliance, regulations, and let's not even talk about interchange and pricing and the commercial aspect of payments. What we strive to do was to simplify that entire process. And we strive to become the bridge between the world of payments and the world of software. And that's how Fisco was born in 2019. That's awesome. One of the things that, that I want to understand is like you mentioned becoming and building out that bridge. We can leave the pricing discussion over here because that is if people think that the technology integration is complex you get into the costs and the commercial side of the house it is a hundredfold more complicated but let's talk about the technical side i believe when you look at things from a technical perspective when you don't have a physical card present in your hand and making that purchase as a consumer for software providers that simplifies the process like 
so many times. But as soon as you introduce that payment tool into the experience, it complicates it even multi times over. How have you and Fisca like levers that? Because I know you guys are omni-channel or multi-channel, or I don't know what the new buzzword is this week. You guys both help the software providers, both with the card present and the card not present, consumer not present. Help us understand, like, how are you helping that convergence and really taking a lot of the operational and compliance pieces off their plate? Look, like you said, you, know, you hit the nail on the head in a cart not present environment, whether it's e-commerce or, or to a mobile application, it's relatively easy for a software company to connect to the payment network. There are a number of different payment gateways that makes that innovation relatively simple, right? Um, where it becomes somewhat complex is the addition of those physical terminals and the physical checkout process. And I'll tell you, what we found out is that the legacy terminal companies, those terminals were built essentially as a standalone solution. It was never built so that someone, a software developer in his or her basement could integrate as a very easy API or SDK that they could work on and integrate overnight. And so the complexity to integrate and to connect to those payment terminals is extremely high. And so the approach that we took is that we're essentially replicating the carp not present gateway model, where we take the heavy lifting of doing integration into the payment terminal. We pre-certify that integration. For those folks who haven't had the time that you and I have had in the industry, what does certify actually mean? What's the difference between a a certification, a pre-certification and non-certified? What is that? What are the differences between those three? Thanks for asking that question. I've spent so much time in this industry that in my mind, everyone should know what certification means. But certification, so you have multiple Think of it this way, right? You have multiple devices, so PIM terminals, those physical devices that sit on a, a retail or a restaurant counter. And then you have multiple payment processes. Unfortunately, the payment world is not as unified as it should. For example, you have First Data, you have Vantif, you have Thora, payment processor and payment networks to connect to. And in addition, you have multiple payment devices that need to connect to each one of those networks. In order for those terminals to work and in order for them to be able to connect to the payment networks, they have to adhere to the protocol, both in terms of technology and security compliance to ensure that the transaction is running through and not only correctly with passing through the right data, but also in a secure way. That's somewhat of an oversimplification of the process. For someone who's never done this certification process could take six to 12 months and can be extremely challenging unless you've done this multiple times, which we have. 
So what we've done is we've taken all those terminals and we've gone to all the banks and processors in Canada and the US and we've pre-certified. And so we've done the integration. We have received certification, both in terms of technology, connectivity, as well as security with the pin processors. So we're doing the heavy lifting and our customers, the software companies that connect to our APIs and SDKs benefit from a pre-established connection, pre-established certification, and it's a real plug and play model. And so a process that could take six to 12 months will take two to four weeks by connecting through this. And the other benefit that our customers get from this is that they get one too many connections. And so they connect to Fisca, they do their integration, they have one connection to Fisca, and then we handle the multiple branches into all the different terminals, terminal types, as well as all the different processors and again, across Canada and US. Wow. This sounds very complicated and it sounds like it could take weeks, if not months to be done through Fisca. And I've actually had to do the certification you were talking about directly with the payment provider, multiple payment providers. And there were times where when things didn't go just right or a regulation changed, it went from, it took up to 18, 18 months or so. That sounds complex. It sounds like it's going to take forever. How long does it typically take for someone leveraging Fisca from the time that they start the process to the time that they actually have the payments embedded in their software? Yeah, I'd say it varies between number of days and weeks. And so what we do is we provide a complete set of API SDKs. We have a full development and testing suite, including a mock POS that allows our customers to run their entire test without affecting their own production code. And this entire process that takes some of them, some of our customers within a matter of days and was super easy. And the other point also, and I think you, you alluded to this, is that the connection to Fisca allows them to be future-proof. And so whenever there's an update, whether it's a technology upgrade, a software upgrade, or regulatory change, uh, we handle all that. So you can have Fisca and everything that happens behind the scenes, where there's a new terminal that's coming to market or the terminal has a new software, we handle all the integration, the certification and any change that may be associated with that. And so we're essentially also future-proofing that connectivity. So we've talked a lot about getting it connected and maintaining and reduce, lifting a lot of that off of their plate. But what does that open them up to being able to do in addition? So if I'm able to take away a lot of the heavy lifting, what are some other things that, that I as a software provider can do with the data that I get from Fisca in order to help my customers grow their business? Yeah, that's the other aspect of business today. And especially when it comes to small businesses, they think of a business, a small business owner, he does everything from opening the doors in the morning, all the way to mopping the doors at night, uh, they, they 
and they don't have either the bandwidth or the financial resources to have all these big CRMs and data and analytics suites. What we've done is we've taken all the payment transaction data. So we're very fortunate to be sitting between the software and the payment world. And so we're capturing a bunch of data, including SKU, transaction SKU, very detailed order information, what items you're purchasing at what price. And then on the other end, we're also capturing the payment data. So we have the cart data, we have the consumer information, we have the authorization number and so on. And then we triangulate all that data set and provide our customers with actionable insights through a very user-friendly dashboard. And so essentially what we're doing is we're doing BI on behalf of a small business. And we go from taking very raw data and we have billions of data points that come into our system and that flow through our system every day. And then we transform that into information that they can take action on. So for example, how are they doing? How is the business trending? Is it up? Is it down? But even at a deeper level, we can show you how your customers behave. Are they coming in frequently? How much are they spending in your shop? And then even more interestingly, what we do is we also acquire third-party data that allows us to have a complete view of what we call a shared wallet. So we also know that your customer is spending X amount of money in your shop, but are they spending more or less at a competitor's location? And so that's really valuable data that allows our end users, the retailers, to take meaningful action to grow their business. So as a software provider, do I have access to that data or is that only through your user portal? Only through our user portal. And I'll tell you why. There is a big compliance and responsibility that we have. Obviously, we can't divulge personally identifiable information, what we call PI. We anonymize the data on behalf of the cardholders, unless we get explicit consent from them to provide that or share that information with the retail. And then in addition to all this is that there is a big analytics engine or pure machine learning engine that transforms those data points into actually meaningful information. And I, and I believe that's an expertise that we've developed over the years. And so this is a, a solution that we provide as a call it a white label solution to our software companies where they can take our full UI and embed that into their own platform. So without having to do the heavy lifting of parsing the data, analyzing the data, or transforming data into insights, and then and building that UI interface that's easy and user-friendly, we provide that as a package to the software company. They embed that in, into their own software. It's a white label solution. So it sounds like you've ta taken this expertise and then expanded that out in more of a, I hate to call it white label approach, but more of a, a branded approach where they can leverage the expertise in a way that makes it easier for them to deliver value to their customers. Yeah, absolutely. We believe that software companies should focus on their core business. They, they shouldn't have to worry about payments. They shouldn't have to worry about 
the complexity, especially the complexity around payments. And so what we've built is essentially infrastructure that allows them to integrate, manage, and run payments in a very easy and seamless way. And we don't want and we don't need to see our brand out there. We're happy when users are able to benefit from that. But we are essentially just a plumbing behind the scenes. So if I'm a software provider, what would you say are like, and I know you've probably already covered it, but I want to ask it this way. As a software provider, what are three reasons that I should be coming to Fisca versus maybe some other well-known entities out in the marketplace? And I'm going to, I'm going to say their names. I'm going to say like the Stripe, the Square, the world pays, the first data is those types of things. Why would we want to come to, to Fisca instead? Well, the first two names that you you've mentioned are, I would say the, the most well-known fintech companies out there, Stripe is the poster child of fintech and so is Square. So we have, we have significant and stiff competition. What we are different from them is that we only work with software companies as a payment infrastructure. So we don't provide merchant services or merchant account directly to the end users, what we call in our industry merchants. So that's a big difference. With Stripe, for example, anyone can go to Stripe, open up a merchant account and use Stripe as a, as a merchant service provider. That's not us. If you're a merchant and you want a merchant account, you call Fisca. We just can't service you and we don't service you. So that's not one. Our business model is purely payment infrastructure to SaaS companies. Secondly, we focus in specialized vertical segments. You had another interview on your show recently with a company called Flexible. And I'll just use Flexible as an example. We provide very specialized payment solutions that can that's very modular, that can be customized for vertical segments. So Stripe and Square is out there. They service every industry, every single segment across the world. What we strive to do is we go after small to mid-sized software companies that may not have the expertise or the resources to integrate and manage payments. And so we provide a turnkey payment infrastructure solution for them so that they integrate. The third point, and not the least, or I'd say probably the most significant one, and you touched on this very early on on the show, commercial side. When you look at Stripe and when you look at Square, they don't provide a revenue share. They don't provide a revenue stream that is significant for those small software companies. They'll partner with the big POS platforms, software platforms like a Shopify, for example, but the small to mid-sized software companies don't get that same level of attention. And so very often they don't see any commercial benefit. They can integrate to Stripe or Square, but beyond that, they don't see any revenue. Ted, the software world is changing. It's also changing very rapidly. And in order for them to compete, they need that revenue line and payments is a crucial revenue line. And that's what we offer to those companies as well. So we provide a very significant revenue share so that the software companies can earn that extra. And, and that's an important point because if you look at a company like Shopify, over 70% of their total revenue today comes from merchant services. It's no longer software billing, it's merchant services, right? And our goal is to level that playing field for the small, medium-sized software companies 
so that they can also earn and compete against the big guys. What have been the major hurdles in order to be able to deliver this level of complexity in a simplified manner out to these software providers? Look, I'm shaking my head because it hasn't been an easy road to get to where we are today. The world of payments is changing very quickly. And the role of a payment processor and a payment service provider is also changing very rapidly. We have to keep up with those changes. Even the payment terminals, that, that is, I, I wish I could say that payment terminal that we talked about, the gray box design, would still be here and still be the prevalent payment terminal, but it isn't. There are so many new terminals that are coming to market, Android-based solutions. So we constantly have to adapt our technology and our software to the changing landscape that's that's and that means it's a continuous effort on our end to maintain this payment infrastructure and to future-proof the payment solutions for our clients secondly when we started in in or we started building the platform we, we went to every single payment processor and banks across the us and canada and said here we are a little scrappy little startup we want to integrate and certify with you and they're scratching their hand like First of all, who are you? Why are you talking to me? And it's probably what our clients would have to do themselves. And just being able to engage with them to be able to get the data specs, to be able to start doing that technical integration and then getting ourselves up there in the priority list of certification was not an immediate hurdle. We had to do a lot of discovery. There is no standardization across the industry. So every single payment network, every single payment terminal had different technical specifications. And we had to do to them do those integrations one by one and do those certifications one by one. And a lot of times it was research and development and testing and through trial and error, every single step of the way. We feel that we've covered a broad base in the market today. And that, that initial hurdle behind us, but there is a continuous amount of work that we need to put into to maintain this platform and to ensure that it's, it's future-proof. And the other point also is that the commerce landscape is changing. You mentioned multi-channel, omni-channel. Customers are expecting, they, they don't care about the concept of multi-channel or omni-channel. What they're expecting is that they can go to a website, purchase something. Then you go to the retail store, return that item because it didn't fit or exchange that item in retail location, or they go to a retail location and they expect that there's the same inventory and the payment transaction in all this has to be really seamless. They're looking for that unified experience. To them, That's it isn't right. about commerce. It's about the experience. Do I get the same experience online? Can I take it to offline? Can I blend the two together? Can I buy online, return to the store? Can I buy at the store and return online? To them, it's not an experience. It's different. It is, it is my experience with XYZ company. And, and, right. and the, the payment side of it, as you stated earlier, is seamless. And I'm going mean, to use my terminology is like it's invisible to them at that point. Now it's just a matter of did I get what I needed to get out of this? And so that's a huge piece of it, that unified experience. Yeah, you hit the nail on the head right there. And so just when we thought that our job was done after doing all the integrations with the payment terminals and everything else, we had to unify the online, the cart present, the cart not present transactions. And look, it's been a trend for a couple of years now, but with COVID that accelerated that trend and changed the consumer behavior forever. And so 
we are constantly having to adapt to those changes, not just in the world of payments, but also in the world of commerce in general. And we, like I said, we do the heavy lifting. That's what infrastructure is, and we have to future proof. And so we have to integrate, we have to unify the payment experience, and we had to update and upgrade constantly. So to answer your question, there's a lot of work that took to get <laughs> and there's continue, a good amount of work that, that, that goes into maintaining that. So without giving me the secret sauce, how have you simplified the unification of that online and offline? Like, what is that? If I'm the software provider, if I'm a merchant that have multiple software providers, how have you simplified that experience for them? That's a great question. I actually don't think there is a secret sauce in all this. There's no magic wand. What we provide is a unified API in the first place. And our transaction comes in, whether it's a card present or present over to a Fisca backend. We then parse the transaction and saying, this is all happening in real time. So it's a fraction of seconds. Where we're parsing your transaction, if it's a card present transaction, it goes to a uh, e-commerce gateway. If it's a card present transaction, you route that to a, a terminal. All that sits inside of our, the Fisca backend. And so the data, the transaction, the authorization, we tokenize those transactions as well. So the card transaction or the card data is stored in the secure vault. And for your listeners that maybe not be familiar with the concept of a token, what we essentially do is we take the sensitive data, which is the card number, we mask that card number, and we return a false value that is not a card number. And that could be anything, could be an AB or any value that our customers choose. And that our customers, software companies will store on their end and they can reuse to either refund, rebuild someone, run an authorization and so on and so on. And so going back to the example that you gave earlier, when someone goes online, makes a purchase and then get into a store, they're returning that, that pair of pants because it doesn't fit. Well, through our platform, what they're able to do is purchase that item online, go to the store, we provide the token to the software company and the software company at that point in, inside of a retail location can use that token to issue a refund against that same transaction that took place online. And we provide on the back end a back end service that unifies the card present and the card not present transaction and a single API. So our customers, the ISVs or the software companies only have one single ingredient and they only have one to maintain. That simplifies the process a ton for them. And Patrick, I appreciate you diving into these details. We've covered such a huge swath of information. Is there anything that you want to share with the listeners and the viewers before we say adieu for the day? Yeah. Firstly, thanks for your time. Really enjoyed our conversation. It's always nice to geek out on payments. Our vision spans further than just payments. We're in a very fortunate position where we're also capturing tons of data. And so we sit as a hub, right? Between the software companies, the payment world today. But let's not forget there is also a consumer that's also part of that transaction. So. We strive to provide a complete commerce, what we call a commerce hub experience. So we focused firstly on the integration to payments, which we think is core. 
there's no payment. It's not a commercial transaction in the future. We are looking to integrate other financial services solutions or services so that our software companies can continue to provide those solutions to their base, which again, we're still targeting small, medium-sized businesses in a seamless fashion. For example, lend small businesses need instant access to cash integrations into your accounting platform and reduce the time that it takes to reconcile payment transactions, for example. And so what we strive to become is that hub that allows our customers to deploy multiple financial services in a super easy way and for their customers to be able to consume those services in a super easy way. And on top of that, because we sit in the middle of all this, we capture so much data and that we can add and enhance a payment transaction to additional data or a financial service, a financial transaction to that additional data. And I think that, that our goal is to provide those tools and those technologies so that ultimately the small businesses can have better solutions to manage their business and to grow their business. Now that's fantastic. It's interesting how once you start to go down the rabbit hole of payments and you start to look at how all these different things relate to each other that you're like, okay, well, if I put that and that together, then that will solve this problem over here. And just really how you can piece the things together to start solving problems. And I think that's one of the really interesting things that I've, on many of the discussions that I've had, is really nobody's trying to reinvent the wheel. They're just trying to figure out a way to make the wheel more efficient, maybe look a little bit better, maybe be easier to change. But they're not trying to create a brand new wheel. They see that wheel works. And let's just add additional value to it. So I commend you on continually finding all these little areas in this ecosystem to pull together to provide value. Ted, you've summarized it perfectly. And thank you for having me on your show. Patrick, thank you again. I can't wait to see what else Fisca brings to the market. And I look forward to, to bringing you back on later when you guys have the next big thing in the market. Yeah, it's been super fun. I look forward to our next conversation. Be sure to subscribe to FinTech Confidential on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or your favorite podcast player by going to podcast.fintechconfidential. Our show notes in each episode are available at www.fintechconfidential.com. And you can get FinTech Confidential information by signing up at access.fintechconfidential.com. If you want to be a guest on Fintech Confidential, submit your application at guest.fintechconfidential.com. Fintech Confidential, bringing you the people, tech, and companies that change how you pay and get paid.